Thank you for joining us for episode 364 of Live Happy Now. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're using this time to take on some of the tough topics around mental health. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and throughout the month of May, we're focusing on tools for better mental health. This week, I'm talking with Maddie Cummins, a counselor, brain coach, and CEO of Cerebrations, which provides counseling and coaching for people with anxiety, chronic pain, neurodiversity, and other life transitions. Her mission is to empower people to tap into their own inner strength, beauty, and experiences to calm their mental chaos. And she's here today to talk us through how to do that. Maddie, welcome to Live Happy Now. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me today. This is an exciting topic to be able to talk to you about. When I first learned about your work, I immediately knew that I wanted you on the show. And then it seemed like such a perfect fit because we're talking about mental health all month long. And I love the fact that you're taking on the topic of calming the chaos within. You know, I've read so much and heard so much about what the lockdowns, the pandemic have done to create this anxiety and fear. So small question, how do we start working back toward normalcy in all this anxiety and fear that's going on? That is a small question. (laughs) That's a big one. But, you know, I think it's, I think one of the things I try to remind people whenever we go through these kinds of situations is I don't know that we have to change the way we think about normalcy, because whenever you go through these kinds of emotional issues, you always are going to change. I mean, our brains are going to change through it. But, you know, what I really feel like is that we've got to get back to finding the joy in life again, not, I I feel like we're all kind of waiting around for the other shoe to drop, right? There's (laughs) waiting for that next round. And so it's more about being present in today and being thankful where we are today and and glancing at the future, but, but not holding ourselves there. I love what you said about situations like this, because so many people have isolated the pandemic as being, it's definitely a different time. It has been an unusual time, but what you're referencing is saying like, okay, maybe we've been through similar things. It wasn't a pandemic, but we have. So can you talk about that? Because I loved when you said, when we go through things like this. You know, I think our brains are really interesting and, and because what happens is that we all go through traumas of some kind. One of the things I think that's really important as we talk about these situations is my trauma may be very different from your trauma and I can value it saying, oh, but yours is worse, but our brains don't do that. And the reason why I think that's really important is we go through a situation such as COVID and we think we've never been through anything like this before, but there are always times in our life that our brain goes back to and says, oh yeah, I remember this. I remember being anxious. I remember being depressed. I remember being isolated and it hangs on to those situations. And so even though to, like I talk about the brain and the mind and even to the brain that it feels very similar to the mind, it actually is really, it just connects all those dots and understands that that's, that's exactly what we've been through. We've been here before, even though the circumstances could be very different. That is fantastic. And Another thing you said, eventually I will get to our other questions, but (laughs) another thing that you said, I just read a story on NPR and it was talking about people living in fear, but being reluctant Mm. to refer to this as trauma because it's Mm. not, 
it's not a death. It's, it, you know, well, for some people yeah. it was, but it's not what we would normally categorize as trauma. Yet to our brains, this has been a trauma. Can you explain why that is? Absolutely, because a trauma really is any kind of situation where everything we know is just kind of completely blown out of the water and our brain has to start over from a place of emotional chaos, from the unknown, which is really, really hard for us um, to not know what's happening. And in COVID, we didn't know what was happening from day to day. It's not even a I don't know what's happening three months from now. We didn't even know from day to day what was going to be coming at us. And so in the brain, that is very, very, very uncomfortable place. And so it connects neurons. Those traumas are really in the brain connecting neurons that says, I know, this is a memory that I'm going to put together. And then we react differently from there in, in all kinds of situations. And so every trauma, and that's what I was speaking to earlier, every trauma is very traumatic to the brain. We, part of our resilience is just kind of shuffing things off and saying, okay, well, it wasn't as bad as this, or it wasn't bad as that, but our brain doesn't know that. And so that's why these things feel very big. Yeah. And does it help us to recognize it as a trauma? Does that serve us well to be able to recognize it, identify it and, and start creating a place for it? Yes. And, and I think what's, what some people think is that when you start talking about it as a trauma, that means that you wallow in it. And that's not what it means. What it means is that it gives you permission, which I think is really the big piece. It gives you permission to grieve. It gives you permission to stop and go, wait, you know, wow, that was really bad. And I felt really awful during this place. It gives you permission to to look at all of the things that happened, but, and then move forward. Because what we like to do is we like to compartmentalize it and go, oh, okay, that wasn't that bad. I'm going to put it over here in a closet. I talk about having a closet. We shove everything through in, in our brain and then lock the door. But unfortunately, we can't hold on to that forever. And so the next trauma that comes or the next situation that comes that reminds us that stuff will start leaking out from under the door. And so recognizing it isn't a, hey, we're going to sit here and, and sit in this all day long, but it gives us the space to grieve and to, to process what happened so that we're not just shoving everything behind a door. Yeah. And it's also been difficult for some people who feel like, well, I didn't have this major loss, so yeah. I shouldn't feel this way. It's, they almost feel guilty because they didn't have a big, quote unquote, traumatic incident. And so they want to minimize what their experience was. And it's almost like a guilt for feeling badly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and in my work that I do with my um, coaching and counseling clients, this is, this is very, very common where people will say, you know, my childhood wasn't as bad as someone else's. The experience I had with COVID wasn't as bad as someone else's. And, and I think that's true for everyone. I mean, so what I mean by that is like my experience, I may have had more deaths, but, or I may have had more stress, but it doesn't devalue your experiences and the perception of, of what you went through. One of the things I talk about is this, is the art of thinking and, and, and the art of anxiety and the art of the brain, because I think this is exactly what we're saying is that my perception 
is very different than yours because my brain is different and my experiences are different. So I'm going to live through things differently, but that doesn't mean that they're not as traumatic. Right. Right. And and so can you talk about what does happen in our brains when we start feeling stress and when we start experiencing that mental chaos? Yeah. So the brain is a, obviously I'm very passionate about the brain. I just think it's the coolest (laughs) thing ever, but I think we I, I do. I heart the brain. I've got a little heart. But I think we'd really take our brains for granted because it's just so much of what it does is automatic. But the danger of that is when we go through tra- stress and we go through anxiety, that also becomes automatic. So over time, our in our brain, neurons develop and connect that, that it associates with experiences. And so the reason I mentioned that is that when we go through stress, when we are hit with anxiety, and, and just to clarify, anxiety is just overthinking. It's worrying about the future. It's being fearful of things. And, but our amygdala lights up in our brain and that's our place of, that was designed for fight, flight, or freeze. So if I'm in physical danger, my brain, my amygdala lights up and I get ready to do one of those things, fight, flight, or freeze. However, when we're the emotional danger, our brain feels is no different than the physical danger to the brain. And what I mean by that is if I'm, if I'm confronted with a situation, especially if it reminds me of a trauma, my amygdala is going to light up just like it would for a physical, a physical danger. And so the important thing about all that is what happens then is all of our energy in our brain goes back to the amygdala. And so the frontal lobe actually decreases energy The reason that's important is it's the frontal lobe that we need to process through information, problem solve through the situation, decide on how we're going to tackle it. That whole thing just shuts down. And so now we're in this constant state of spinning. I call it spinning in the in the mental chaos because our frontal lobe isn't back online. And over time, a lot of times we learn this kid stuff as kids, but over time, the brain, that's all it knows to do. Oh, wow. is here's the same situation I've been confronted with before. Again, the brain doesn't know it's different. It just understands the connection and everything lights up and we go through this over and over and over again. And then the more that we're in that, the more automatic it is and the harder it is to pull us, pull ourselves out of it, which is possible, but it's, it's a habit. It's a habit the brain has developed over time. So how do you break a habit like that? Well, one of the things that is really important is that it takes time. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and we're not very patient people, right? So and studies change. Some, and the last study I saw said that it takes up to 60 days, 60 to 90 days for the brain to develop a new habit, which is really those neurons. But part of what I, I think that's important is because the brain is such an automatic function, what typically we can do to start stopping that pattern is paying attention to our body. So just like I talked about with the brain going into fight, flight, or freeze, the body does the exact same thing when the brain signals it to. And so if you think about being in stress, usually you're all tensed up and your shoulders are close to your ears and you can't breathe very well because your chest is tight. That's what I'm saying. That's your brain, your body getting ready to run or to freeze or whatever it needs to do. So the best thing that you can possibly do is to start paying attention to your body. And so over time, that may mean 
I have the ability now, I start feeling my chest get tight. That's my signal that my brain is about to go into overwhelm. And I have retrained myself then to do, I, I talk about having a coping toolbox, a book box of tools that you open up and go, okay, guided meditation, breathing, you know, journaling, whatever those things are. But the first thing I usually tell people to do is start breathing because when we're all tensed up, we're not getting oxygen to our brain. The frontal lobe doesn't have enough oxygen to work. And so it starts slowing all those thought processes down. And when you're doing these breathing, these deep breathing exercises, your body starts to relax. And it's remarkable how much a a simple breathing exercise will help people. And how do we start making a making that automatic? Because I know when that anxiety hits and that cascade of feelings hits the body, it, it all happens. It happens so fast. Well, I think the interesting thing is, is it happens a lot slower than we think it does. And the reason I'm saying that is usually when our bodies, we start feeling, if we're feeling it like in our neck or we're feeling this huge sensation in our neck and our chest, you're at a level six or seven by that point. And it's going to be harder to pull you out. What I really want people to do is start recognizing when they're at a three or four, <laughs> And that's hard because the three or four is sometimes our norm, right? Like that's where we're walking around, especially over COVID. We're all just kind of walking around in a three or four right now. So you, you hit four to six to seven to eight really fast, but it's easier to catch it. So part of that process is, you know, I, I really talk to people about people don't like the word journaling. A lot of them, like, I call it research. We're going to do research because <laughs> they get all stressed out about the journaling. I'm like, okay, that's not the purpose, but the research is how, and I, you know, and there's, there's journal prompts actually that we go through of, of how is my body feeling in this moment? And what is remarkable to me is the brain then is having, it's just, it's so cool to watch because the brain then can start going, oh, there's that feeling way before it gets to six or seven, but it's just an awareness. It's an intention of paying attention to our body, which we rarely do. Right. And I think especially, as you mentioned over the past couple of years, because our anxiety levels have been so high and it seemed like there was no way to really relieve that. We've gotten very accustomed to, to being at this high level of stress and, and accepting it as norm. Well, and I think what's been really interesting is you're right. And part of it, when you know, being in a health awareness method, one of the things that's been very clear to me is that there's not enough counselors out there. There's not enough emotional coaches that really understand this process because what I tell people what is because people will say to me, well, I didn't have anxiety before. And I'm like, you probably did, but you just figured out how to manage it. Right. And what often happens is when we're confronted with really difficult things, our ability to self-manage in our brain, it just goes out the window because there's too much stuff going on up there. You know, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends during this, I have an 11 year old. So he was, you know, at home suddenly, and there's all this stuff going on. And, and I remember her saying to me, you know, we need to figure out a way that we can plan and blah, 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 and do this because, you know, strategize for the school. And I just looked at her and said, there is nothing in that sentence that I can do or make sense of right now, (laughs) because 
<laughs> I and she was doing it for her own anxiety. I know it was happening, but I'm like, I none of that, it, it, none of that can I do. Right. And I think that's the difference is over time because I do understand how my brain works. I can recognize it and put things into practice. But I think the important thing is, is that's not a perfection. I don't do that all the time. Right. <laughs> I don't have the ability to do that 100% of the time because I'm human and my brain is tired some days and it doesn't work as well. And there's some people that are, they are still living with a whole lot of fear yeah. and they're afraid to resume their routines. They're, they're still living in isolation, which we know isn't healthy. And the more right. they're isolated, the more fearful they are to venture out. And so if, if someone is still at that very heightened level and they may have different reasons, you know, they, they may have someone in their home who's immunocompromised There's yeah. they have reasons for it, but if they're living at that level what are some things that they can do to, to start easing themselves and experiencing life on whatever level it's comfortable with, but to start enjoying their lives? You know, I think the main thing is, is to just start with intention every day, because what happens is we, we get into the habit of fear and we get into the habit of do, the routine that isn't healthy. And that's what our brain knows. And there it's the brain's very odd because there's some comfortableness and not doing something new and not doing something different because it, that's fearful, right? So it's this, this kind of catch 22. So one of the things I would say is just with intention every day, get up and say, what am I going to do new? It doesn't oh, nice. mean you go out and you go to a mall, but what new thing am I going to introduce into my life today? I'm going to walk outside for 15 minutes. I'm going to go to the dog park where it's outside and there's not many people, whatever, but just what, even if it's inside the house, like I'm going to sit and write, you know, I do a guided meditation a day, or I'm going to write what I'm thankful for today, just something new to start getting that brain started on thinking new, because otherwise it's just going to repeat this, the same habits over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, I know you have seen just as I have the kind of statistics they're releasing about what yeah. has happened to our mental health and, and our teenagers and kids oh. have been badly affected by this. So as parents, as friends, what can we mm -hmm. do for others who are truly suffering a mental health crisis during this time? As you mentioned, there aren't enough people practicing, period, and then also no. practicing properly what needs to be done. So what can we do for others to, to help them with that burden? I think my best thing that I can tell to just suggest that people do is you just stop and listen. It is in our nature to want to fix. But when, when you can sit with someone and be present and not try to figure out how to fix this problem, that is often the biggest thing you can do because you give them permission and space to be honest and not feel like they have to do something because you're trying to do something. That's really hard. But to me, that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest things that you can do. The other thing is, is ask them as, as long as we're comfortable with, you know, with the health situation and being around other people, try to find a community. We have become so isolated. And I think one of the things that became super clear to most of us, and especially me during COVID, is we are built and our brains are built to be in community with people. 
And if that community is a book club online, that's okay. If that community is a free Facebook group, that's okay too. But try baby step into finding a community for both of you to be in so that you can have that shared experience and they can remember there's other people out there in the world because we forget that when we're isolated and when we're depressed and when we're anxious. We do. And as you and I were talking a little bit before we got on the air, now we're seeing it again on the news where it's like, oh, yeah. this might get bad again. It's you yeah. know, kind of firing up our fear machine. What's the best way to manage that? I think, you know, and I and I can speak to this myself because I'm, you know, we start, most of us start ticking it like we're going, okay, maybe I should go look at the numbers. Maybe I should right. go do that. Just live in the present. That's the best <laughs> thing I can tell you to do is what do you need to do today for your own mental health? Because you have no control over that. And I think that's why we want to go look at it and we want to try to start focusing on it because it gives us a sense of control but it's really a false sense of control because we have no, no control over that and make a list of the list. And I, and I always tell people to write things out because your brain works better when you actually use handwriting instead of typing things out, but make a list of what you've learned. We have learned so much through this. And we honestly, I think, I think about COVID and there are some incredible, beautiful lessons we've learned through COVID but we forget that because of all the other junk. So make a list of all the stuff that you've learned that's beautiful and get that mindset wrapped around. There's always two sides to the coin. It's just sometimes we have to dig for it. Yeah, that is such a great point. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned a little bit ago about the value of finding a community and you have an online community. I do. Yeah. Let's talk have, about that. I would love to talk about that. This is exactly what we do. I'm on Facebook. There's a Calming the Chaos Collective free Facebook group that this is what we do. I, I It's a community of women who are really trying to find a way to get out of this anxious and this worry and this overthinking. And so you know, there's, there's free workshops. There's also um, every week we have intention tools to go in and go, okay, this is going to work for me. And this is going to work for me. But I, I think the beauty is, and this is where I've gotten to in my own life as well, is we heal much better in community than we do on our own. And I think the collective healing is just a, a huge process um, that goes faster and is more beautiful when you share it with other people. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are looking for a place to to find that community and find yeah. it to share with one another. And you know, you've, you're giving us some great things that we're able to share with the audience when they go to our page. And so they'll be able to do some downloads, things like that, and then go discover you and, and hopefully sign up and be, become part of this thriving community. But what is it that, as we're letting you go, what is the uh -huh. thing that you really hope people take away from this conversation today? I hope people take away hope from this conversation that the way that you, your brain is working and the way that we are fearful and the way that we are anxious and the way that we are, all of the things does not have to stay that way. Anxiety and um, mental health issues steal our joy. And there are ways to get that joy and to live life that's joyful, but you just have to stop and do something different. And that's the, the key to change. That's excellent. Yeah. Maddie, you're terrific to talk to. I'm really glad that we were able to share this time. And thank you for coming on the show. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me come on and talk about the stuff that I'm super passionate about and looking forward to continuing listening to your awesome podcast. Thank you so much. That was Maddie Cummins talking about how to calm the chaos within. If you'd like to learn more about Maddie, join her Thriving in Chaos workshops or intention groups, or get a free download of her Chaos NATO intention actions, visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And while you're on our site, remember you can get 20% off anything and everything in the Live Happy store this month when you use the code SELFLOVE20. That's SELFLOVE20. And that is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.